0: you can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash first paw media
1: here's to the great american dog trainers out there the hundreds of you who settled for the sometimes thankless job of working with four-legged companions because they pay the bills of course there's something else you can do if you've got something to say start a podcast with first paw media and unleash your creative freedom Maybe even earn enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm no puppy wrangler, I'm a rover, I'm a trail breaker, I'm an adventurer. Visit firstpaw.media. Wag on over today. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Canadian Challenge Tales. I am joined by Jerry Joinson. How are you tonight, Jerry? I am doing fine. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you joining. I know you've been around mushing for a long time and we are anxious to hear about your plans for the upcoming season, but I want to go back to when you got started in mushing, which I, I don't want to date you too badly, but you've been doing it for, for a few decades already. What, uh, what was it like when you got started and what got you into mushing?
0: <clears throat> well, my parents moved me up to uh, Cumberland House when I was nine years old. And uh, as we're driving into the, the uh, village there, the first thing I saw was a bunch of kids with one or two dogs on a sleigh racing down the streets. And I looked at that and said, I'm doing that. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow,
1: that's, that's awesome. So how, did you get some of your first dogs while you were still in Cumberland House?
0: Well, actually, I had a, my father bought me a German Shepherd as a bribe to move and i trained him i uh, just ran single dog for quite a few years and then uh, that was about the time where the trappers started switching from dog team over to uh, snow machines uh, so there's a lot of dogs in the yards of uh, some of the trappers there and the one uh older trappers asked me to come over and just run his dogs for him. So I started doing that and and ended up uh, racing his team. And then when we moved out of there, I got other dogs for a few years and back into it, just uh, collecting old farm dogs, or not old farm dogs, but farm dogs that nobody wanted and training them up and started running and gradually buying some better dogs as the years went by.
1: So when you were doing racing uh in those days was it sprint or or mid-distance what sort of racing were you doing
0: uh it was sprint racing uh but uh, my first race was when i was 16 my adult race and i literally it was 22 miles and i literally ran 20 miles of it because my uh we only trained one leader in those days and my leader got sick, so I couldn't use him, so I had to run up in front of the team. And out of 22 teams, I came in 11th. So Running in bit, front of the dogs in on a sprint race.
1: race. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, well, I mean, certainly the, the dedication seemed to be there. So was it after that race you decided that maybe more than one leader was a good idea? Uh, yeah,
0: it's uh, that was a good idea after that, yeah.
1: Was there a lead dog or a dog in your team in that time that you recall or can share a story about in the years after that?
0: Well, that was my uh, German Shepherd was my lead dog. Uh, Most people figure that they're not that great for sled dogs, but uh, this is the old style German Shepherd with the straighter legs on them. In fact, I uh, won the... uh, uh, Saskatchewan Junior Championships in uh, Prince Albert with a team of three German shepherds and at the start line I was sitting there listening to the crowd talking behind me and a couple of old guys were talking said oh, those are German shepherds they'll never do anything I don't even think he'll even get out of here and etc cetera, etc cetera, really calling my dogs back a uh, down. And I actually went out. I uh, came in about 10 minutes before the second place team came in. And uh, I stopped and right where those old gentlemen were talking and uh, I listened to them again. And uh, they had a little bit of surprise when they realized that the German Shepherds could do better than some of the Huskies.
1: Well, I'm sure that was a wonderful feeling, knowing your dogs were, well, I mean, sure, you knew they were more than capable to get to the start line, but good to show everybody else there.
0: Well, I was a young teenager at that time, so I didn't know for sure, for sure.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. So then you moved into, uh, did you stick with sprint for quite a while, or did you move into distance racing, or were you doing both at one point?
0: Well, I stayed with sprinting, like, on weekends and stuff like that. I never did very good at it and then when uh, Jim Tompkins uh, started the Canadian Challenge I figured I'd give it a try and I signed up for it and uh, ran the first Canadian Challenge and was actually the first team out. My idea was just to go halfway and then I was going to scratch which I did but uh, now that I look back at it years after years later with that team i should have kept on going because i had no reason to scratch just because I made my mind up that i was going to scratch before
1: i started was that in the 300 mile race
0: 300 mile race that's when they went from uh, prince albert to larange and then uh, restarted the race there and raced back to uh, prince albert
1: Okay, so that would have been the late '90s
0: uh, somewhere when, uh,
1: when the challenge got started. I don't want to try and <laughs> you know tell people all too much how 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 many years you've been around doing this. So, did you continue with the challenge, or did you go to do some other mid-distance races around that time, late '90s, early 2000s?
0: I pretty well stuck with the Canadian challenge here and there, but uh, I. Only would sign up for one race or two races a year. And it's just so that I could learn uh, more than anything else. Uh, Never really competitive because it's hard to work full time and look after dogs and go to the races. But every race you go to, you
1: learn something. Right. And how many dogs would you have had in your kennel at that time? Do you remember? Oh, probably... 15, 16. Yeah, so for a 12-dog race, it doesn't leave a lot of extra room for...
0: Not an extra, no.
1: Excellent. And then I believe in 2005, you left Saskatchewan and moved out to to the fort, as they say, out in, in BC. Actually, in two,
0: 2001, I went to the Yukon.
1: So what brought you out to the Yukon?
0: Uh, my ex got a job as a nurse in Dawson City. So we went up there, and it was a good way to rub shoulders with some of the, the old-time mushers that you read about, like uh, Cowboy Smith and Ma, and uh, Peter Ledwidge was living there, and a few of the other mushers. So.
1: Is there something that you learned when you were up there with them that, that you have kept with you or that, that stuck with you this, this long?
0: Uh, yeah, I learned that the dogs are a lot tougher than what you think they are. That's the biggest thing I learned up there. Um,
1: Was there a, a race or a particular experience that you had that made you realize?
0: Oh, uh, just running the Percy and the, the Percy to Wolf. And, uh, like it's, a uh, just for a 200 mile race, it's a really hard race because everybody's running uh fast it's on a lake uh, on the, on the river so it's you don't wouldn't think it's that hard but when you have all the jumble ice and the side hills like when the ice is collapsing and your sleigh's trying to slide down into open water and just trying to keep up with the other fast teams there and think your dogs are just about had it and you stop and you give them a snack of beaver meat or something like that and they just pick up again and just totally amazing
1: yeah, so for those that are unaware, it may, it may be changed um, from that time, but the Percy Dewolf has run out of. Uh, used to be between Dawson and Eagle, um, but I believe they run from Whitehorse up to Dawson and back. Is it not now?
0: No, it's... that's the uh, uh, Yukon Quest. They still leave Dawson City. the The Percy goes from Dawson City and the. Uh, went to the border last year. Uh, they've been having trouble with the ice apparently uh, around Eagle, so they can't get into Eagle. And then crossing the border in the during the COVID, there they couldn't go across the border either. So
1: right, you are correct. Dawson City North, right, used to be to Eagle and then turn around, and go all the way back. Yeah, and it looks like the last couple of years they've had to turn around at the border just with. COVID and entry issues, but that's, that's gotta be more than 200 miles. Well, to go to Eagle and back was, uh,
0: 210 miles.
1: It's far enough. So, and it looks like it's all along the river. So you're, if you're jumble ice, it's the whole way or a big portion of it.
0: A lot of the time Just- there's jumble ice. Yeah. And it's actually teeth jarring when you go over some of that sometimes.
1: Yeah. So it's, to me, it's either that sort of jumble ice challenge to you know deal with the ice conditions and the other difficulty is just monotony of running down the endless miles of the river did you have any you know what was your trick to try and stay awake or keep alert during those times (laughs) if you Uh, had one
0: (laughs) well you always had to be on your toes because you never know you go around the corner you never know what's around the corner and a lot of it's you running at nighttime. You will run yeah. into herds of caribou every now and then or timber wolves.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty remote country up that way. So after you finished in the Yukon, then you moved to Fort St. James. <laughs> yeah. Right? And um, what, what was the the big draw for Fort St. James? Was that work-related as well? Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah, it was work-related. Then uh, I actually knew uh, a bunch of the mushers that went to the Canadian Challenge, like Terry Houghton, Craig Houghton, Uh, Marcus Holmes is here, John Douglas, the guys that used to run the Canadian Challenge that I knew before. So I figured this would be a good spot to come and uh, spent about, Ten years here, and then went back up to the Yukon for another nine years. Wow, but while I traveling. Was, yeah, but uh, while I was here, I trained for the, uh, the Yukon Quest and I ran it. I tried doing it three times and I finished twice.
1: Yeah, so you ran in um, 2011. I uh, finished in 12th place, and then ran again in 2014 in uh, 11th place for that one, I believe. Yeah. But I was just pulling the results from... Wh- which year did you run the the first time? 2009. So I was reading through the the musher list, the results from 2011 before we got started, and it reads like the Hall of Fame of mushers, right? Like Dallas CV, Sebastian Schnulli, Ken Anderson, Brent Sass, Alan Moore, right? Like there's some pretty... Serious mushers, very Pretty competitive good mushers there. there. Yeah. So, quite an accomplishment uh, to finish that race and and be a twelfth there in in 2011. So, what was what was that race like compared to any of the other races you've done or any other mushing you've done?
0: <clears throat> well, that was the coolest I've ever been. I think uh, when I got to uh, Dawson City, the uh, temperature dropped down to minus 40 and there's a real bad blizzard. And there is probably, I can't remember how many teams uh, went out and turned back and scratched. And I got a hold of a bunch of the other teams that were talking about scratching and we're, we're in about the same position And I suggested that we all leave together and take turns breaking trail because there's about 12 to 16 inches of fresh snow on the trail. So, uh, there's five of us, I believe, started out together and just kept on breaking trail till we got to, uh, what the heck's the place called now? 40 mile. And, uh, We stayed there for a few hours. It took us 16 16 hours of steady running to go 55 miles. And we stayed there for seven or eight hours. And when we got up to to leave, the temperature dropped down to minus 60. And it stayed uh, that temperature until we were just about to – well, we we're running down Birch Creek. It was still minus forty, so that's I don't know three or four days. Of Yikes! Well, late. I know
1: I know at minus forty Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same, but when yeah. you say minus sixty, are you saying Fahrenheit or Celsius? Uh,
0: I'm not sure because I didn't have a thermometer. That's just what everybody's telling me, so I'm guessing it's probably Fahrenheit.
1: Yeah, probably better you didn't have one. And you really would have known how cold it was.
0: Yeah. Well, at the uh top of the 40-mile river, uh there was uh, somebody had a wall tent up there. And, uh, like, it was a 10 by 12 wall tent with a stove in it. And six of us climbed in there. We had the stove red hot. And we still couldn't take our parkas off because it was just too cold. I was kind of surprised that the dogs still kept going; they didn't freeze up or anything like that. It's pretty amazing. It's the first
1: time I ever had to use hand warmers. Well, I guess if you can make it that far down in temperature before you need them, then you should be all right. <laughs> it's and what was it like in in twenty fourteen? Did you have similar uh, challenges with weather?
0: Ah, uh, no, actually, the weather was a bit warmer but it was one of those races where uh, anything that can go wrong went wrong the dogs i had that time could have done better but i was holding them back like uh going up the uh this is coming from uh, fairbanks uh my ex-wife was running the 300 and i was running the thousand mile and on the way there our dogs got sick and uh, we just barely got them ready to go before the race and uh, her dogs couldn't make it to the first checkpoint they all got sick on her i managed to nurse my dogs along to got to to get through i had to drop a few dogs but uh uh going up uh On the mountains there, like Rosebud and Eagle and stuff like that, I was having angina attacks. And uh, I didn't dare tell anybody, otherwise it would have made me quit the race. And uh, kept going. Uh, I totaled off a sleigh uh, around Circle there and got an eight-hour penalty for replacing it. Okay. Get into uh, Slavin's cabin, I drop a dog, and I forgot to leave food for it there, so I got another two-hour penalty and uh, went through to Dawson City, and we had two trucks following us because we had two teams. Went into Dawson City, and both the trucks were up on the hoist getting major work done on them. So we had to borrow a truck to continue on the race. Uh, just past Pelly, I totaled off another sled and I had to, uh, sit around and wait till my handler could borrow another sleigh so that I could continue the race. That's just a few things that went wrong. Everything else was fun.
1: (laughs) Jeez. Quite a, quite a challenge uh, uh, that year for sure. Um, so, have you still been racing, or still running dogs?
0: Yeah, uh, well, I've been doing a few smaller races. Uh, well, I came up here back to uh, BC and did the Caledonia Classic, and then uh, went into did the Canadian Challenge a couple times. What else? Okay, done the uh, two years ago. I did the Quest 300. I was going to quit racing then just play with my dogs and have fun with them but after a year of doing that i can't figured well i should probably try racing again so there i am signing up again
1: right so you're signed up for the uh 10 dog 200 mile race with the challenge this year yeah is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to coming back and and doing or seeing or Anything a challenge memory that comes to mind?
0: Well, I'm just looking forward to seeing all my old friends there again. I see Jerry Walker signed up, so I'm pretty happy to go and see him again, and some of the other mushers there. I think there's only a few mushers that I don't really know that are going to the race there. So,
1: I figured that there was a, a joke floating around about you know this young guy from Ontario had won a couple of years. So, you know, the old, the old guard was coming out to show him <laughs> how it was really supposed to be done. But I think that was Jerry Walker trying to, you know, I think it's, I think it's just tough to get out of, tough to get out of dogs entirely. Right. It Especially is. having done it for so many years that you have, and obviously you have a passion for it. So it' yeah, tough to get out. So we're really looking forward to having you back and showing you what the, the race is all about these days. And, and mm-hmm. how we do things. Do you have any other uh, races planned? Are you going to do the, the Caledonia again, or are you going to do anything in in Yukon this year, do you think?
0: Well, I just signed up for the Caledonia here yesterday morning. So,
1: Is that That's in funny. the 200 mile or the 100 mile?
0: The 200.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to see they're getting some activity there on, on that one as well. So if anyone's interested, um, Caledonia Classic, they have registration open for their 7-dog 100-mile and 10-dog 200-mile race uh, right now. So you can find them on their website, I believe, and Facebook.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So I do have a uh, social media question from one of the fans, and they would like for you to tell us something unexpected about mushing, an interaction with a musher or fan that left an impression.
0: That's so hard to say. Well, with the fans, I was kind of surprised that uh, uh, quite a few years ago, I went to the Alaska State Fair in Anchorage, and uh, just somebody out of the blue came up to me and started talking to me and started asking questions why I dropped this dog or that dog at this checkpoint and that checkpoint, and, and – uh, Asked what my strategy was and everything like that. And that was two years before that I'd run the quest, right? So I was amazed that people were actually following me.
1: Well, and and asking a question like that about what your thought process or logic behind a decision.
0: Yeah. So I kind of, I couldn't even remember, (laughs) like, it was why I did that or anything like that. So.
1: Yeah. Is it tough to remember the details like that in, in races? Is it that you've done so many races that they sort of all blend together into one?
0: Well, the thing is most of the time I'm just concentrating on the dogs and not focusing on what's going around around me at all. Like when I've done the quest, I'll be sitting here daydreaming about it and like remembering what happened and uh, I'll remember things that I didn't remember That happened after the race until a year or two later, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense.
0: But uh, just being, well, concentrating on my dogs, making sure I'm not hurting any or anything like that, so.
1: Yeah, always on the lookout for something out of the ordinary, I think is how it was described to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, you're not really looking for anything in particular, it's just what doesn't look right. Right. Especially when... You know, people start putting on, you know, a c- couple thousand miles on a dog team. You should be able to pick up on something not looking right fairly quick.
0: Yeah, except for when you're lacking sleep.
1: Yeah, which is the real challenge of most of these. Yeah, um, races, especially when you're in the mid mid distance side, and and even worse in you know things like Yukon Quest and and that. I I me personally, I'm curious how much of a recovery um, comes from the long stop in Dawson City. Was it a 36-hour stop in the, the times that you ran it? Yes, it was. Like, is that is that really get you back to, like you, the musher, back to pre-race, you know, levels in terms of sleep and food and the rest?
0: It does help. A horrendous amount. Uh, the first, well, in 2011, when I finished it, I was so nervous I didn't want to scratch that I we left in Whitehorse, but I didn't sleep the night before the race, and I didn't sleep until I got to Dawson City while I was hallucinating and everything else. And I got to Dawson City, and I went to bed, and I slept for 22 hours straight. And uh got up and all was good. And like I knew once I got there it was easy to finish, so I was able to sleep my two hours a night or an hour here, an hour there type thing
1: Right. And that's all all possible because you have a handler or two sometimes in DOS and looking after the dogs, making sure they're well cared for. I know a lot of them bounce back fairly quick through that yeah, one. But- I just you don't hear much about the mushers. And, and how they manage. Yeah. So it's it's good that you get a good rest in there and yeah. able to tackle the rest of it.
0: Yeah, the dogs are a lot tougher than us mushers, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's clear the mushers are the weak link at the back end. Yeah, I think it's Mitch Seabee's line, he's just happy to be along to serve the meals.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So is there a, a dog, people always love hearing about dogs, so is there a dog you have now that you're you know, excited to run this season? I'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite because it's not fair. Um, well, is there a dog you want to tell people about or for whatever the reason might be?
0: <clears throat> well, I have Oscar here. He's a uh, nine-year-old now. Uh, I'm thinking he should be able to make the team this year, but he's got a bunch of his kids are on my team. I call him a leader litter. Uh Moses, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Winston Churchill, and Harriet Tudman are all on my team, and they're all super good leaders. And then uh, oh, old Oscar there, he's uh, never missed a race that I've been in. He's never been injured, never hurt, and just a super good, good leader like he's the one that I look for uh that's the dog I trust and uh I guess he trusts me too so he does whatever I ask uh if he doesn't want to go across water I don't go across water because he knows better than I do that it's not safe
1: yeah I've heard about dogs that you mean open water or ice that might not be safe
0: both ice that might not be safe and uh, like a lot of the times uh especially up in the yukon you'll have overflow on the like on the yukon river and uh you can go through it like i've seen people that have been up to their armpits in overflow and still go through with their dog team uh, he won't go if it's open water because he can sense when it's running or not so so i kind of trust him
1: that could be a hard thing to teach, too.
0: Yeah, well, it's not taught. It's it's. it's uh, I just well, actually, he's teaching me, not me teaching him. He taught me to trust him.
1: That's another common one we've heard: is that, that they learn more from the dogs, especially the really good ones. Yeah. So I know that it takes a lot of people to to be able to do this with you know dogs and going out to races. So is there anybody that you want to thank or mention that's helped you now or along your mushing journey that's got you to where you are?
0: Uh, Actually, my partner Bonnie here, uh, she used to be the executive director for the Quest, is with me here now, and she's been actually uh, uh, helping me out a lot. Uh, She really wants to learn more about the dogs and... She wants to go to the races and see what it's all about, so gives me an excuse to
1: get out to the races. Oh, that's fantastic! That you have someone that's willing to come along for the ride and enjoy the be just being there at the races. I'm sure we'll looking forward to having both of you out at the Canadian Challenge. I know it's going to be a lot of socializing in in Range with how the checkpoints are set up this year. So. It's going to be lots of, uh, lots of opportunity for people to, to say hi and, and hang out and catch up. So really looking forward to that. Um, any, any last words before we close out for today, Jerry?
0: (sighs) Not really. I'm just looking forward to getting back to the Canadian challenge, Saskatchewan, uh, seeing a lot of my old friends that are either racing and, uh, a lot of the friends that come up and just to watch the race. It's going to be like an old homecoming, I guess.
1: Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to having you too. And uh, for those that are, we still have open space in all three of the races uh, 10 dog, 8 dog, 6 dog, CanadianChallenge.com. I uh, also want to mention our sponsors, our main sponsor being at Thompson's Resort from Adventure Destinations up in Mississippi. And Baldwin feeds with their perfectly raw dog food line. So a special thank you to them. Jerry, I want to say thank you to you, of course. Appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to say hi and and fill our fans in on on your exciting mushing history and some of your wonderful experience. And I know we're looking forward to hearing more about it. So again, thanks, appreciate it. And until next time, goodbye. From First Paw Media, this is Canadian Challenge Tales.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe to. Your host is Dan Kirkup. Our executive producer is Robert Forto, created for First Paw Media.